Hello, I'm Regina Botras and this is Backstage, where we talk with the who's who on stage, in dance, comedy and performing arts, speaking with the leading theatre makers of our times and how they came to the stage and what drives them and inspires them. My guest is Margaret Thanos. She's an award-winning Cypriot Australian director, actor for theatre and film, was based in London and is back here to talk about a production coming up at the new theatre, A Very Expensive Poison. Margaret has directed the Australian premiere of Labyrinth by Beth Steele at Flypath, A Grain of Sand by Declan Coyle at King's Cross Theatre, to rave reviews. She's the co-artistic director of Meraki Arts Bar, a three-level arts venue in Sydney, and her debut short, Through the Window They Came, is currently in post-production. She's done The Goat and Who is Sylvia, Jim Got Shot and Project Triple X, and so many others. Recently, she was awarded the prestigious Sandra Bates Director's Award at the Ensemble. She's done many things for the stage, and she's here to talk with me, as I said, about the production coming up at the new theatre, A Very Expensive Poison. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. So before we get into this um, work that you're bringing to the stage, how did you come to be a director? Like, did you start as an actor, or what was the beginning moments? The beginning moments. Um, yeah, I've been very lucky to be an actor for uh, most of my life. I started when I was a kid um, and had uh, incredible experiences all through my um, teenage years. And um, yeah, then when I was uh, 17, I directed my very first show and um, yeah, have sort of not really looked back um, and have been wow. balancing both ever since. Amazing. So what did you do as a, a child actor? What kind of you know, was it dance, theatre or what? (laughs) All sorts of things. Um, I got to do uh, mostly theatre. I've I've been a theatre bug for most of my life. Um, I definitely have the, what do they say? You've got the bug. Um, I definitely have it. Um, Yeah, I sort of, it was recommended that I try like a drama class when I was really young and um, we did and I've always wanted to do it ever since then. Um, yeah. and yeah, have been privileged to do musicals and do, uh, theater and screen stuff and all sorts of things wow. <laughs> through my time and lots of different jobs as well. Yeah. Were your family creative? Like, was there sort of influenced you that way? Um, my family, um, my parents are academics, so, um, creative, but in a different way, not, uh, not performing creatives, um, uh, more generally, more general humanities creatives. <laughs> uh-huh. So what was the first thing you directed when you were 17? My God. Um, I decided to make it easy for myself and started with um, a play called The Goat or Who is Sylvia by Edward Albee, um, <laughs> which is a, um, for anyone that knows is a very, um, fantastic and challenging text um that sort of tackles homophobia um via the guise of um various things that I'm not sure I can talk about on air (laughs) (laughs) it's a terrific play um so 
let's have a chat about this production, A Very Expensive Poison by Lucy Preble. Did you, is it something that you bought to the new theatre? Is it something that stood out for you? Actually, no. Um, the new already had A Very Expensive Poison in the lineup um, when they approached me as a director for the season. Um, and we were sort of talking about the different shows. And um, I was sort of looking down the list being like, oh, you know, not, not really that one. That one's not really me. And then I saw oh, what's this? You know, a very expensive poison. What is that? And uh, read a little blurb and was sort of like, had this gut feeling that it was absolutely the one that I had to do. Um, And yeah, then obviously read the play and was very lucky that um, Lou and everyone else at the new um, let me tackle such a large um, and crazy work. (laughs) Yeah, set the scene for this work. Sounds great. This play, where do I even start? We have 15 performers in this show, um, which is incredible. It's a huge um, ensemble piece. um, And it's about the um, poisoning of Alexander Litvinenko, who was a um, Russian dissident uh, in 2006 in London. Um, So it's written by Lucy Preble, who's a UK writer, um, and it had its premiere in uh, 2019 at the Old Vic Theatre in London. Um, and as far as I'm aware, it hasn't been put on since. So very lucky to be doing the Australian premiere of the show. And um, yeah, the second time that I believe the show has been put on. Yeah, incredible. And and you work in a lot of ways. And f- yeah, first time here. It looks like it's crossing genre. Like, can you describe the sort of style of it? Absolutely. Um, The text is quite um, vaudevillian in nature. It goes through a lot of different um, tones and styles through the show. Um, It's essentially a memory play because we sort of begin with um, Alexander in the hospital, um, very, very ill, and we sort of try and go back and discover how he's come to be poisoned and who really is the culprit at the end of it. Um, But lots of crazy things happen, especially in our version of it, um, because I work a lot with movement and we work a lot with ensemble work and creating um, big cast sequences and stuff. So um, there's lots and lots of fun to be had in this show. There's lots of styles, there's musical numbers, there's dance numbers. Um, So it's got it all. This show has got it all. (laughs) (laughs) A challenge for a a director. Do you, did you do much research? Like what What are the kind of basics of the story from the, the actual story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the play is based off of a book called A Very Expensive Poison, which is written by Luke Harding, who's um, one of the world's most prominent um, writers uh, and uh, research journalistic um writers when it comes to Russia specifically. Um, He's recently written a new book, which is about the Ukrainian um, conflict as well. Um, And so Luke, in this book of his outlines, all of the events uh, leading up from um, Alexander's early life all the way through to um, the the moment where he was poisoned and so on and so forth through into the investigation that happened after and um, also the court cases and things that uh, occurred in terms of public inquiries in the UK and how the Russian-UK um, relations really did affect the way that they looked at um, the truth of this story um, because okay. at the time of the poisoning, um, UK and Russia had very positive relations and so it, there was a big hesitancy from the UK to investigate um, the the poisoning in any detail. Um, but then obviously as, um, 
tensions between the two countries became worse and um, more sort of events of poisonings and other murders uh, started to occur on UK soil. Um, it's, it became more uh, tense and, uh, yeah, so in, in the end they did have a public inquiry and the findings are all in the show as well as, um, you know, you can read them and investigate them yourselves if, if you're interested in the full detail of the story um, because there's so much that the play um, doesn't cover um, but there's so much that it does. Um, it's just an incredible story and you, you couldn't write this kind of work because it's – you couldn't make it up because people would say it's not realistic but it is every single event that happens in the play is true. If you're sitting there being like, did that actually happen? It probably did. <laughs> Can you describe one of those sort of moments that you might be going, really? So I think the clearest example of this is the two um, men who were chosen to carry the poison um, to the UK and execute the poisoning of Alexander were complete and utter buffoons. Um, and some of their lines, you're just sitting there thinking, no, surely that's not real. Surely that's not real. But it is. It is. Everything they say is like Lucy has done an incredible amount of research and the the practicality of of the poisoning. It's it's hilarious to watch. You've sort of got this comedy, um, crime stooges uh, comedy in, in the mix of our various genres within this show. <laughs> It makes me think of oh, Tom Stoppard and, you know, the two characters from Hamlet. Right? Yeah, Rosencrantz. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so what is the time frame of the play is set? Because you said in the novel, obviously, it goes back to his early life. What time frame? Yes. We jump around quite a bit in the show, So, but the total time span is from 1994 through to 2013. Right. Big. That's a long, that's quite a time. Are you using, I mean, you you said it kind of moves in time throughout. It's not linear. Is that what you mean? So you can't really, so yeah. We start in 2013 and then we jump back mm. to 2006 and then we jump back to 1994 and then we jump around. So there's lots of uh, language building for us in the process in order to make it clear to the audience when, when and where we are. Um, and, uh, but the play is very well written and there's lots of markers and things to make it easier for the audience to understand exactly where we are and exactly the story that we're telling. Okay. So are you working with accents? We are indeed working with accents. We have a phenomenal accent, um, coach called Felicity Judd, um, who's been having hours and hours and hours worth of training with, um, every single actor, um, Mm -hmm. to make sure that it feels lived in and realistic. Um, and our, uh, two leads playing um Richard Cox is playing Alexander Litvinenko and Chloe Schwank is playing Marina Litvinenko and they uh, absolutely have done so much work on their accents and um yeah it's fantastic and really feeling very um real to the story yeah. authentic so it sounds obviously you know quite I want to say epic like huge a story um but, and like you said, the styles and the genres and the mixing of form. What what challenges are you facing like currently or have had to face or work through? Um, so I've been working on this show. Um, by the time that we open, it will be almost an entire year for me of sitting with the text and um, thinking about how we um, build a show of this size in the time that we have available to us and you know, with the resources we have available to us. Um, and also, you know, I, I tend to choose texts that are 
really um, give me the freedom as a director to play with vision and how we create this story. Um, in terms of the challenges, I think um, dramaturgical challenges, as I was saying, when, when, we're, when we're building language for each individual um, location, because we jump between Russia and the UK, each individual time frame with those various time frames that I mentioned, it, it becomes very much about how do we make it clear where we are when, how do we keep um, the flow of the show moving um, when we've got all of these different jumps in time and, you know, really rhythm is our biggest priority at the moment in terms of um, making sure that the, the show is clear um, whilst also navigating those tonal shifts between um you know, the different genres that we've got, you know, when we have a musical number, how do we come out of that and then into something very realistic and, and very, um, moving and tragic. Um, because ultimately this, this story is about, um, uh, the poisoning of a man. Um, but I think the biggest challenge that we have is that Vladimir Putin is a character in the show, um, and is a big character in the show. And obviously that comes with a whole lot of challenges in this present moment. Um, that's why I wanted to do the show because it feels so relevant to this moment and so relevant to everything that's going on. I mean, every day in the news, we get more and more about Putin and Russia and Ukraine and what's going on. Um, but representing that character on stage um, has been probably the the point of the show that has had the most thought put into it from my point of view. Um, it just because you know you've got to do it correctly without um, without being you know too too reserved in the way that we um, because this whole show is about um, our ability to uh, mock political figures to, um, and also to speak the truth about them and to speak the truth about who they are and what they do and how they mm. affect our, our broader world. Um, mm. so yes, that, those are some of the challenges I think that we have in the show. Yeah, And it sounds like you could go like, what's the, what's the word abstract with it, or you, you don't have to be realistic because of the many styles. I don't know if that sort of Absolutely. some of your decisions. Yeah. The music, um, Talk, tell me a, a bit about like, yeah, breaking out into a musical, like how, how do you do that transition? And is the music telling part of the, like, is it, are the lyrics in the music and have you got a musical person? Like, is it live music? Is it? Well, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, what, um, like? So, uh, so we have, the way I describe it is the show has three key timelines and then it also has several extraneous characters that come in and are disruptors to the play, to the actual narrative, which is the narrative of Sasha um, Alexander's poisoning. Um, and one of those characters is a man called Boris Borisovsky, um, who's played by Angus Evans in our production. Um, Boris uh, is considered to be the original Russian oligarch. Um, he is was incredibly wealthy um, at the time that he was alive. Um, he basically is the is responsible for Putin being in power today. Um, but in our play um, and in Lucy's play. Boris thinks basically that he's in a musical. Um, so he's always <laughs> singing um, and he's always, so he has a whole different feeling when he's on stage compared to every other character in the show. Um, and we have that same thing with Putin, but without the musical parts of things. In terms of the music itself, um, 
Yeah. Uh, Putin thinks that he's the, the director of the uh, the play and uh, in my version of the show, um, which uh, we have really enjoyed playing with. Um, Tasha O'Brien is playing um, Vladimir Putin and we've really enjoyed playing with um, the, the directorial nature of Putin in this production. Um, in terms of the music, uh, we have, uh, I have an incredible composer called Sam Cheng, who uh, I've worked with previously before on other productions and um, has been composing the music for the entire show. There's so much music in the show. Many characters have their own themes and their own plot lines in terms of musical notes and um, tones. And um, yeah, we're really excited to um, showcase all of Sam's amazing work in um, the play. It sounds just, yeah, absolutely exciting. I I can't help but think this is probably a boring question, but working with 15 people, that must be a logistical nightmare for um, rehearsals. Um, that I get asked that all the time. So it's not at all a boring question. Um, so I planned this process, as I was saying, I've been working on it for a whole year. Um, so I planned this process months and months in advance. I did the auditions way back in February of this year. Um, and as soon as everyone was cast, I handed over the, um, the rehearsal schedule and I said, this is when we're rehearsing you're going to be there. And so we've been very privileged for most of the process to have all 15 at all rehearsals, um, which has been an incredible feat of organization, I think by, um, our team, but, um, yeah, it's been great because, because of the ensemble nature of the show and because there's so many sequences of movement and, and, um, I have an amazing movement director called Diana Alvarado who works with me. Um, I sort of design the sequences and say, this is what I want here. And then, you know, she executes executes it with her um, incredible training uh, and with the actors. Um, and so, yeah, it's been fantastic. It's so great when we have all 15 of them, which obviously we're so close to show now that we have all 15 at every single rehearsal. And it's been really great to watch them bond as a team because at the end of the day, no one from the crew is able to help them. It's just those 15, they've got each other. And um, it's really great to watch their um, connection between all of them mm. grow um, mm. at, because we do we did a 12-week rehearsal process um, it's a very very long process which means they get to know each other very well um, and it means they feel more connected when they're on the stage I think. Mm. So have you ever directed yourself on the stage and did you think I should put myself in this play? You know? <laughs> Um, I have never for theater, um, just because it's very challenging when you can't watch things back. Um, I also do direct film and screen work and, uh, you know, that's a little bit easier because, you know, you can go and play it back and say, oh, that wasn't quite right. But for theater, I very much am of the opinion that, you know, I, I really prefer to watch the show from outside of it and give my guidance that way. Um, as opposed to try and do both. Cause <laughs> I think I, I don't know how well I would do with that. <laughs> But would you, do you have a preference, do you prefer performing or directing or is it a bit of both? I mean, obviously you've got many talents. Um, I adore both. Um, I think for me, I get very different things out of each, uh, practice. Uh, directing is, I, I love leading a team. I love being able to bring uh, a show to, to life and sort of, put my own spin on things, I think is what I really enjoy about directing. It's what I love about taking a play like Lucy's where there's so much room for me to do something like that in, um, with performing. However, it's more about, um, feeling a part of something. Um, sometimes directing, uh, you know, can be, uh, 
you know, an, a lonely practice just because you're sort of uh, leading everyone, but you're not really in it. Um, so I think I get different things out of different um, parts of my practice. But um, yeah, I've been very lucky to do lots and lots of directing uh, lately. And uh, hopefully we'll be swinging back to performing for a little while because sometimes you, you need a break from uh, leading rooms of 15 people and so on and so forth. <laughs> Absolutely. So what have you learned from doing this? Like it's such a, an historical play. Is it kind of informed the way you see uh, Russia now differently? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, obviously as with everyone, um, I've been living in the UK for a little while um, in recent times and uh, it, it feels very at the forefront uh, over in Europe because, of course, it's closer in proximity. Um, but I think that... Uh, it's quite astounding to investigate a story like this further and further and to sort of look at how um, it's changed my perspective a little bit, I think, just in terms of um, how the West has treated Russia um, over the course of the last hundred years, um, because I do think there is a very strong argument to be made that a lot of the um, challenges that Russian society uh, is facing is as a result of um, sort of the way that the West treated Russia post-World War II um, and th that there wasn't that sort of the Cold War emerges out of all of that and uh, historically that there just wasn't much uh, connection despite the fact that we sort of uh, won the war together. Um, mm. It, it it's a point that's made in the show and we've had lots and lots of discussions about it in rehearsal because we really don't want this to feel like we're bashing Russia itself. Um, it's a whole nation and it's full of um, incredible people and incredible, incredible culture. And so much of our contemporary theatre practice actually literally comes from Russian practitioners like Stanislavski and, and Chekhov and yeah. all of those incredible artists of that um, pre-war time. Um, and I think that... Uh, it's really important that it doesn't feel like we're saying Russia bad, um, West good, because that's actually not quite right. And it's a lot mm. more complex than that. And uh, mm. I think Lucy's done an incredible job of putting that into a very expensive poison and, and, and riddling it with the layers of complexity. I, on our first table read, I asked the actors, I said, who's the villain in this show? And we had about a 30-minute conversation where we couldn't quite decipher... Mm who exactly was the sole villain because the reality is that there isn't one there's many and it's it's been bureaucratic mistakes combined with um power hungry leaders like uh Putin combined with you know uh countries like the UK obviously this play being written specifically for a London audience at the time countries like the UK sort of turning a blind eye when it suits them and then vilifying a whole nation when it doesn't um, and those mm. sorts of things. So there's so much complexity and I, I really um, do hope that the play sort of sparks some of that for um, the audience as well um, mm. because I think there is so much more to the story than this nation as a whole should be written off because of its leader or the behaviour of its leader, if that makes sense. Mm. So... I mean, obviously, so much in here and that history that you'll get from it and also the entertainment side. Do you think she wrote it on purpose so that it isn't just like this 
you know, beating on the head, like you say, or a history lesson? I think so. I think Lucy is a, I think this play is one of the most brilliant plays I've ever read. I, I think that um, it's fantastic in terms of the way that it tackles multiple levels of um, complexity, because while it's on one level, it's saying, you know, well, actually, maybe the West is the villain to a certain point here. Maybe we made these villains that we, you know, convenient villains like Putin. Maybe we made them by oppressing them. Um, she's saying that. But she's also um, so much of the play is about um, the ability to speak the truth and truth telling in performance and in, in creativity. Um, there's a whole section in the show that's about um uh, where we have this really incredible movement sequence that I'm so excited for everyone to see. Um, that's about um, uh, the, these sort of satirical puppets that were, um, and this puppet show that Putin just des- like uh, destroyed during uh, his early days of tenure. Um, and she's sort of trying to tackle, I think, this idea that, you know, we need to make things entertaining because otherwise audiences don't listen. Um, hence the movement sequences and the, and the dance sequences. And, and she, she's written this big dance sequence closer to the end of the show into the play as a means of distracting us from what's really going on. And I think she's getting at that as well. Um, I think everything that she's written into the play for the most part is completely intentional and um, I'm really privileged to be able to grapple with her words. I wish I could talk to her um, because I feel like it would be brilliant to um, ask her some questions about some of the sections. Um, But one of the joys of not having the writer in the room is being able to sort of put your own um, ideas onto it and say, you know, this is what we make of it. Um, particularly cause we're trying to, we have to make it with an Australian audience in mind, which is a slightly different, um, version of the show. Um, mm-hmm. because obviously there are some jokes or some like little quips that I think, or, or even the structure of the show itself that maybe were written specifically with the old Vic audience in mind. And then, you know, we've got to, um, bring it into relevance for us especially considering that between 2019 and now to 2023, so much has happened, particularly around Russia as well. Indeed. Well, I can't wait. Margaret Thanos, thank you so much. It sounds very exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Margaret Thanos there with the award-winning play A Very Expensive Poison by Lucy Preble playing at the New Theatre from the 15th of August to the 16th of September.